right, everyone. You are here for another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. I'm Alon. And I'm still Ara. Now, Ara, what's, what's been going on this week for you? Wow. Well, seeing as though I have nearly destroyed my body today, everything that's happened in this week has just been a blur. Have you been playing any games at all, like even in the last month or so? Or just games. working, working, working? Video games. Well, I'm still playing Grant. Well, see, I don't even know if it counts as playing Gran Turismo because I turn on the game every day to make sure that I don't lose my uh, login bonus, which is no longer a login bonus. It's more like a baseline that I will get penalized for for not turning the game on every day. You know, it's funny to me that you fall victim to that, right? It's, like you, you could just not do it and be just fine. Well, no, I wouldn't be just fine though. That's that's the thing. This is uh, actually, you know what? I mean, we can. This is like a part of a broader issue about loss aversion. That's the fancy term. But mm-hmm. here's the problem. Here's what they did. So, currency is such a scarcity in the latest game, and if you uh, log in consecutively up to five days in a row, what happens is you get this multiplier, which on the fifth day reaches two times, and if if you're not on the fifth consecutive day, it's at one times, and each day it goes up like 20%, right? So if you miss a day, it goes down by 20%. But the rate that you get money in this game is so slow compared to the last one that it's not worth it to play at all unless you're at uh, this max multiplier level. And every day you miss, if I miss one day, it doesn't go back to zero, it just goes down one stage. Right, so if if you have it on the max and you miss like three consecutive days, right, it's at um, I don't know, one hundred forty percent. Get it? Yeah. But the thing is, is that as a player, I have I have no choice because if I decide to play a race, so they do a couple things, right? Um, one of them is that the whole online thing you get if you race online. That's like the most satisfying part of the game because you're actually racing against real people. But you get literally a... uh, I would say it's about a 20th to a 50th of the currency you get for playing the game. So the most intrinsically rewarding activity in that game is the most extrinsically unrewarding and the most intrinsically unrewarding activities, which are doing the the regular offline game, which, by the way, like by now, most people who have had the game have already finished all of that. So it'd be just retreading water you've already gotten past. So it's not really interesting anymore. Uh, so you would be grinding, basically. So the most extrinsically, most intrinsically unrewarding part of the game is also most extrinsically rewarding. And it's just, it's so weird. So if I find myself in a state where my multiplier isn't at the maximum, if I, I, I'm, and this wasn't, I don't think this was their intent, but this is one of their, this is one of the side effects. This is one of the unintentional things that happens. I don't want to play any race because I know that I will be getting, by measures, less reward out of it and so what I've done many times, and I'm sure a lot of people who play this game or play games that have this similar type of dynamic do, is let's say they release like a new race, like a new offline race that rewards you a bunch of money because they do that from time to time too. And if I'm not at the maximum, there's no reason to play it. I'll just be shortchanging what I get. And so the funny thing out of all of this is that the even though they say it's a bonus, the the maximum bonus has basically become the baseline as far as the player is concerned. And anything less than that is considered a penalty as far as the player is concerned, which is totally the opposite. I feel like that's related to the ease 
with which you can increase that multiplier, right? So if, if the bonus were the type of thing that only happened sporadically, then it would be treated as a bonus rather than a baseline. But because it's so easy, just turn on the game and, and you'll go up there um, and you can consistently have it, right? It's, it's essentially, it's not, the bonus is not scarce and therefore it feels like a baseline. But, right, but here's, but here's the problem is that you, you can't do anything to increase the bonus other than wait. Yeah, no, I, I see your point there. But at the same time, you were just talking about intrinsic versus extrinsic reward. And, you know, you would argue that the real value is in the intrinsic reward, like you enjoying the game yeah, or enjoying I mean, the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if anyone's unclear, the intrinsic reward is this is really fun. Yeah, so then why don't you just dismiss the fact that there is any other type of reward in the game and just play it to have fun? Well, I do do that, and I would do that exclusively if it weren't for the reality that in order... And this is also another side effect of the way that they have architected this game differently, uh, i.e. with less features. If I want to have fun online, I have to have a sufficient stable of cars at certain performance levels that are frequent. And in order for me to get that stable up to uh, levels where I feel like I have, I'm not just playing the same car over and over again, right? Like I can try different cars and stuff like that. And I have just the latitude to uh, try different cars. Then I have to buy those cars with the money. But the money is so scarce that I have to play this stupid little game, this stupid little meta game. So it's only fun if you can get the extra cars. Like, don't don't you already have a bazillion cars? No, uh, that was in GT Five because GT Five the money was much more much more liberally dispensed. And in this game, they're so much stricter about it by a huge factor. Um, I I would guess. Just off the top of my head, this is just like random feeling metric. Um, you're probably getting like five times less money, maybe even less than that, for doing the same things, the same types of things. In other words, overall, it, it takes you significantly longer just to get new cars. Yeah. So yeah. In other words, like it'll take me like five times longer to get the same amount of resources in this game. You know, and I could pay the money to get the in-game cash, but that is not desirable by anybody i would really love to get some insight into what kind of money they're making with this uh these dlc purchases i.e the currency you can buy yeah i mean it's un it's unfortunate it seems like it, i didn't even i mean i would have guessed i suppose but i didn't know for sure that they offered microtransactions like that but uh if they do it seems obvious that they changed the the resources in the game in order to accommodate, you know, a need for that microtransaction economy. Um, and in yeah, that and case, they, and they totally did. They, they broke the game essentially, or at least for you by doing that, which is kind of like, well, I mean, you know, enough game developers to know that there are some who choose to not do that. Right. Systematically it was, it was always broken, but uh, I mean, not to split hairs too much, but in the sense you're talking about, they just, all they did was they just said, okay, you know, this faucet that's open, we're going to tighten this up and we're going to give you – so in order to induce you to spend money, uh, which is uh, for this for this kind of product, absolutely crazy. You can maybe justify it that you can do that in a non-coercive way if you have a freemium game. In other words, you don't have to pay 60 bucks up front to get the product right yeah but this and they're kill they're killing you on both ends and uh that's that's why i'm led to believe that uh i don't think that they're even making very much money at all even even selling the currency in the game i i bet that they are just because it seems like all these big games do make plenty of money that way and what's annoying is that that also uh it's indicative of their release timing right like they they probably sped it up so that they could you know get in on that money train and furthermore it's also uh what am i trying to say here 
it's frustrating that once they create an economy like this that has a real world impact on its users, it's difficult to alter after the fact using a patch. Um, for instance, they say, you know what, we need to change it and make it easier to get money in the game because then all the people who spent real world money on the fake money are upset that they got gypped because they were early adopters and, you know, uh, well, paid that, to to open the faucet, as you, as you put it. Yeah, that would happen. That would totally happen. Um, and it, it's just horrible because it's just an adversarial approach to your product. So... I think what they've done uh, without realizing it is they have just decimated their fan base and they can't, maybe they can't tell this is a lot of speculation here, but uh, the, the really unfortunate part about all of this is that they probably can't tell that the fan base has been so decimated because regardless of how there's how much money they're raking in now, um, the consequences of, those that type of activity is not going to be fully realized until the next one comes out. Yeah, when people st- stop buying the actual disc. I mean, even already, there has been a... This game has sold le- far less than half than compared to the previous release, number five. Yeah. And well, I don't know. You might you might be led to think that okay well you know if uh, they sold less so they're trying to like make up the money this way but I think that what they're doing is they're actually it's like making a hedge bet by taking extra risk on both in both directions instead of you know ameliorating your risk in both directions yeah so. and it'll hurt long term well with that I'm gonna go to break and uh, we will reconvene with my own concerns about another title so we'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. And uh, before we left, we were basically talking about how the developers Gran Turismo upset their user base uh, based on the sample of one that is you um, upset their user base by sort of changing the rules of the game although in this case it wasn't this one game it was you know through the series through the change you know uh, that came with the sixth game but recently when I was reading about and then playing some more Titanfall which I went back to uh, for the first time in over a week, just a couple days ago. Um, I learned about a change they made with one of their patches. And, you know, with games like this, there's frequent patching, updating, you know, all sorts of things, changing the balance and modifying this or that to make the game either more competitive or more engaging or more entertaining or whatever. Um, but More profitable. <clears throat> I, I don't know how much a patch is going to change the profit of the game, but if it if it makes people happier with it, then I guess that's down the road. Um, anyway, you're familiar with uh, the capture the flag game type in general, right? Totally. Okay. I even so, remember playing that a bunch of times in Halo. Uh, yeah. And now in Halo, you could at least, I think in some of them, um, designate, I forget what it was called, like, pro capture the flag or versus normal i I don't remember but um anyway in titanfall the flag your flag must be in your base in order for you to score which people would never really do in halo you would turn that off because it was more fun it was a higher scoring game that way anyway that's not my point 
my point is in capture the flag uh in titanfall originally if you were in a titan you i mean you could car- you could be carrying the flag jump in a titan and continue to be carrying the flag this is what i'm trying to say titans can carry the flag um until recently that is and i mean they patched the game and presumably changed many things in the game sounds like it was too easy i mean if you're in a giant robot versus being totally exposed i mean wouldn't you think you'd have a giant advantage yeah now i mean there's other people in robots too or in the mechs but it's uh you certainly can last longer and then you can also eject from it and i don't know if when you would eject from it you would continue to carry the flag or if it would automatically drop um because i never carried the flag in in my titan but the point is they made a change to the game through a patch that you know changed a very basic rule of the game something that was yeah, this, this, important. this sounds pretty fundamental yeah it is it's a major piece now nobody was playing capture the flag anyway it's something like one to three percent of people are playing the capture the flag game type voluntarily i ended up playing it just through the variety pack it would every once in a while you'd play capture the flag but um yeah, my point is they made a fundamental change through a patch, and I find this to be strange. Now, I like it. I think that was the right move. I think you never should have been able to carry the flag in your Titan. But the fact remains that the game was built in a certain way, and people got used to it a certain way. And then they made this this very impactful and major change. And I'm curious... I mean, I don't even know what question to ask here. Just like, how do you feel about that? Is that is that something that should be avoided or should we be seeking out changes like that to make in order to improve the experience? Because like I said, I do think it was the right move or I do think that this is the right way to set up the game, but it's weird to make such a significant change. You know, it's um, this is actually a pretty deep topic here because it really depends on what they end up changing. And we're, we're totally in this. Okay. I'll say it. I didn't want to say it, but it's corny. This is like a brave new world of game development because the idea of the monolithic static release of a product is going away. And in, for many games, it's completely gone. And what's happened is, um, well, I'm experiencing a really similar sort of thing because I'm actually uh, still playing Puzzle and Dragons after a year. And one thing they do, which is similar to this type of dynamic, is... Let me see how I can explain this so people can understand and I don't take an hour. Um... So you have these monsters, right? That they're like your monsters. They're represented by like cards or whatever. And you can upgrade them. You can make them better. And what they ha- what they have been doing over the past year is they have been making um you're, like, familiar with the concept of, like, having, like, different forms for, like, a monster, whatever that means, right? Like, you know, like, in Pokemon, you know, like, there's, like, the little form, and then there's, like, the big form, there's, like, the evolved form, whatever. Yeah, so it's like no sim- it's like It's, like, vaguely similar sort of proportional thing here. So, uh, basically, any given monster has, like, several forms of evolution, and you have to do stuff to get them up to their forms, right? So here's the interesting thing is that the ultimate value of a monster that you have is a function of what its ultimate form is. And what they're doing is they're actually arbitrarily – I mean it's arbitrary as far as the player is concerned because you can't tell which one they're doing these two. They're increasing – they're adding extra stages of evolution to certain monsters and not others. And it actually completely jacks up your long-term strategy because you have to decide to invest resources into one monster or another. And it's zero-sum in the sense that, right, if you're putting your resources into one guy, that means you're neglecting another guy, right? So you make a decision based on what you think uh, your ultimate achievable form is 
for all the monsters you have. So it's like, okay, well, you know, I know this monster eventually is going to be able to be much better and stronger than all, you know, these five other ones I have. So I'm going to put all my resources into that one. But then you do that, and then next week there's a patch, and oh, you know, there's a phoenix or whatever has a new form that actually completely changes what your computation was. Now, because of the patch, the the monster that you were putting all your resources into that you thought was uh, was going to be your best uh, net strategy for resource allocation for the long game is completely wrong. Now, now Phoenix, which was completely useless, is now ultimately going to be much stronger. And so what it does is it just completely destroys... Uh, the long-term strategy, it's not worth doing because you don't know who they're going to make stronger as time goes on. Did that make sense? Yeah, it does. Basically, you made a decision that impacted your long-term play, and then they made a change where, you know, if if that change were present initially, you would have made a different decision. Yeah, so so it, very in very much uh, a structurally identical i mean it's a different way but structurally speaking it's identical in the sense that they're they're changing the rules on you and so your strategies that worked before are no longer going to work because the rules are now different yes and so that's... so clearly for purposes of for of strategy this is very bad yeah and it's frustrating to the player now part of me kind of feels like well I mean, any good game, you're, you enjoy the learning curve, right? You enjoy getting better. And in the case of Titanfall, where they have rankings, you also have, you know, a, some way to quantify that as well. Um, and then they make a change like this, and maybe you have to adjust your strategy. So some people actually kind of get a kick out of it by having to figure out a different way to play. But in general, I think it's, it stands to just frustrate players by making by making an impactful change like this in your case um in puzzle and dragons which i still have not played by the way um well i mean you're I, not you're not missing out on life because of yeah you're probably I, living life because you're not playing puzzle and dragons i just think like you miss out like in in your example i think there's less of a silver lining maybe i'm i'm not uh appreciating puzzle and dragons all that much like you have to change your strategy and learn something new. It's more like there just would have been this powerful thing that you opted not to go well, for it's because not, it wasn't powerful it's not just, originally. Yeah, it's not just changing your strategy. There's another effect at work here, and it's it's the uh, it's the fact that it's not like oh, it's exciting because it's dynamic and okay, I was doing this, but that didn't work before. Now I'm doing this. It's that once the change happens, the strategy that you had previously adopted. You now realize in retrospect you have made bad decisions about your resource distribution. So in other words, you feel a great – if you're paying attention anyway, you feel a great loss because their change has made decisions that were good into bad ones. And so you feel, you feel like penalized in a way which is not exactly the same. It's worse than just, okay, now I have to adopt a new strategy because this, the decisions you made previously carry over very strongly. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. So it doesn't really have this the silver lining and it has a long-term negative impact for you. So I think the overall point is it's very frustrating when developers do something like this. They and this a, is an impactful yeah. change after you've already had the chance to play. And and there's there's a couple of concluding things I want to say about this, although maybe maybe we can pick it up after we go again. There's uh this is really risky in terms of player engagement and also player interest and pissing or not pissing off your fan base because well Maybe I'll say the because when we come back. Yeah, yeah, this would be a good time to go to break. Um, in the meantime, you know, while we have a break, head over to our Facebook page slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. We'll be right back. 
to me, Mario. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's a number one. And we are back. Ara was just in the middle of a thought, telling you why he doesn't like all these patches that are coming after the fact. Sometimes. I don't know. And, Not and all you, patches. You, but You know how uh, small my short-term memory is. Uh, yeah, I mean, this happens to the both of us. I don't think people realize that doing this show over 500 times, we can't remember what happened even five minutes, five minutes ago. But... We've made sure okay, this not, time. Let's not talk too much about something else because now I'm going to forget how to pick up. We're streaming thoughts. Okay, so I'm mad a little bit that Titanfall is changing the game, even though I like the change that they made. <laughs> but you go ahead. Yeah, Finish so your thought. Here, here's the thing that's happening that has never really happened before. And it goes back to the loss of version thing I was talking about. And this is also an aspect of learning and how learning is getting disrupted. Here's the thing, is that when you pick up a game, in other words, when you learn a game, you learn its rules, you, you get a model in your head about how the game works. And now, uniquely, game developers have this ability that they are utilizing quite liberally to fundamentally alter the rules of the game in order in other words you have to relearn and the problem with that is that relearning something that you thought you had already learned is an activity that most people are really resistant to and that and that is the most objective non-emotional way i can put it this is tantamount to hmm, remember Remember when Microsoft had this special feature in one of their Windows products? I think it might have been around Vista, where they actually moved your like you got your menu bar, right? You know what that is? Yeah, yeah. You got your menu bar, and you learn when you learn the product, similar to when you learn a game. You learn where the things are in the menu bar. And somebody who had no understanding of human psychology at Microsoft decided, hey, you know what? Let's have the items in the menu bar rearrange themselves according to frequency of usage. Now, not strictly speaking, but something where they they had this thing where it was like, well, the less commonly used items may be hidden. And the problem with that, it wasn't that See, if you just think about it at face value, it's like, okay, well, I don't use these, so they shouldn't be in my way, so let's hide them so everything's faster, right? Well, that's totally wrong, because the way that you learn about how to use software, especially a graphical interface, is that you memorize the locations of things relative to where other things are. So once those frames of reference are removed, it's utterly more difficult to figure out where the thing was that you saw it from the last time. The reference points that you relied on unconsciously or subconsciously were removed. So by basically removing things out of the menu bar or out of a menu bar or rearranging them according to what you use frequently or infrequently, even though at face value it sounds like, yeah, it's going to be great, it's actually horrendous. Not only is it bad but it makes it makes the user feel stupid because they thought they learned something and every, and, and nothing they see is familiar it's the same kind of thing when every time they release a new version of photoshop they and and I haven't used the new version in a long time but they did this for quite a while while they were still using the single digit numbers for photoshop like three going all the way up to uh, like 10 or whatever X they're on now. They just kept on rearranging things. And even though it was the same essential functionality 
And even though sometimes, yeah, you'd get a couple of like strict improvements, like features you didn't have before, one of the biggest problems was is that they kept on rearranging where everything was. And so you had to relearn stuff. And relearning after you've already learned something is way more difficult. And that is what angers people. And that is what frustrates people. And that's what's going to happen now. It's already happening. It's been happening. Yeah, I was I was going to use the word frustration and point out that that is probably the single most, what am I trying to say? Like, it is the thing that you as a developer should aim to avoid more than anything else is frustration. And maybe that's just me. Absolutely. Like, we're, we're basically now, we have the power to as developers and we are, we are changing the rules on the player after they've learned them. And we are not appreciating the depth of the negative consequences of that. Yeah, just in general in life outside of video games, I feel like frustration is probably uh, the least enviable emotion, right? Like I, <laughs> I, I hate it more than anything else, basically. Um, it, we're destroying people's expectations. It's like you're teaching them something so that they learn to expect something, and then you're turning that over on its head. It's like going to McDonald's and finding out that hot mustard sauce has been discontinued. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe it's not the same for me. <laughs> not being <laughs> as much of a McDonald's goer, but it um you know, I I really hate repetition. I hate having to to do or review something again and so causing me to to learn something again is is that. And in fact, you know, I was I think it was an art class that I had actually at UAT um, where we had to like, I don't know, make a poster or something that uh, described through images um, an emotion, right? And the example that my professor used was, um, you know, I saw this motivational poster or something once and it it was just the word frustration at the top and a picture of wood with all these bent nails nailed into it, basically unsuccessfully nailing nails in. And that was a representation of frustration. And I never forget that, even though I never saw the poster, right? But I could picture it perfectly and I could imagine how angry it would make me <laughs> um, just because of having to repeat myself over and over. So that's not the feeling I get playing Titanfall in this particular example, um, but the the idea of changing the rules of the game is super frustrating. And there are some other things they've done too, some major changes they've made. You know, talking about frustration, I'm I'm changing gears here a little bit, but they, yeah, no, um, I think we've uh, exhausted this topic pretty nicely. Yeah, they in in order to move up in rank, I think I've discussed this. Like you you don't just get a bunch of experience by playing the game and then you roll over to the next, you know, prestige rank or whatever they call it in this game. Um, in Titanfall, re regeneration, I guess. Um, you have to complete certain tasks, and some of the tasks are really, really difficult. Um, the one I'm having trouble with now is trying to move from level 5 to level 6. Anybody who plays the game will know what I'm talking about. Um, is that really, really difficult? No, well, the particular task. So it's like in with every generation, you have to complete like six different tasks. And some of them are tough. You know, they're, they're not all easy. But this particular one, uh, you have to get a gooser kill multiple times. And what a gooser kill is, it's just the name they give to, um, you know, when you're, when you're in your Titan. Uh, is you, that like a weird Top Gun reference or something? Uh, I think so, because it involves ejection. And <laughs> right, in Top Gun... Gooser was the guy who died trying Goose. to eject, right? Yeah. So Goose, Goose died when he ejected from his plane. I am thinking of the right character, right? I just remember he was called Goose. I think that's the guy. Oh, that's and in fact, I, can help you with. I hadn't thought about it, but this makes perfect sense. So the idea is you, although someone can eject from their Titan prior to being destroyed, what usually happens is you take someone's shields or energy down so low that they're about to explode. So instead of letting themselves explode or getting out gently they eject and your job is to kill them before they land so you have to make them eject or just have them eject and then you kill them in the air and yeah i could see that how, that how that could be challenging it is 
just because of the mechanics of the game, it ends up being very challenging, especially because a lot of people who eject have this thing where they automatically go invisible when they eject. It's just one of the features you can apply. Uh, so if they do that, you're pretty much done. There's no way you're going to get it. But um, yeah, you have to kill someone ejecting, which may, explains why they call it Gooser. Um, anyway, it, when the game first came out, in order to get this generation, you had to do that 50 times in a generation. <laughs> and let me tell you how many times I have done it the entire time I've played the game, which we're, we're talking about 100 hours. Um I have done it prior to to a few days ago, three times total. And now that I am specifically trying to do that and nothing else, because it's the only thing I need to regenerate, I managed to actually get two gooser kills in one round. And but that's the only two I've gotten. I need and they changed You're up to it. five now. Only, I, only forty five more to go. No. You only need five now. They changed it. They changed it from fifty they realized how difficult it was for people, so they reduced it to five, which is so it was too it was too hard by a factor of ten. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think they just made it to the lowest possible because, in order to regenerate, you need to get to like level five of any particular thing, and so the least they can do is one per level. So it's one for to get to level two, one to get to level three, and and so on and so on. So you have to complete five of them, and they couldn't have made it lower, just because of how the game is designed and for these generation things. So without breaking some other rule, they couldn't have made it easier, except for just removing it altogether, which they didn't want to do, which I kind of understand. Point is, it's incredibly frustrating because I'll play entire rounds without getting anyone to eject at all, right? And that's just step one. And then actually killing them in midair, oh, you got to hope they don't have that invisibility thing on. And then you have to aim properly and like hope that you have bullets in the chamber and that you don't have to reload before you make the guy eject. So like sounds, sounds like a lot of ifs that you don't have any control. Uh, over. Well, you do have control over. It's like, all right, I need to get this guy's armor really low. But before I get him so low, I have to reload so that I can use a few more bu- bullets to actually get him to uh, to get so low that he ejects, but that I have enough left in the chamber to kill him. And it's it's tough. The fact that I got two in one round was just miraculous because when I respawned, like somebody happened to be ejecting because somebody else had killed him. So I used that to my advantage and got a kill. Anyway. So you're stealing other people's boots or kills. Pretty much, but other people weren't going for it. Anyway, anyway, we're going to break. So new topic after this. We'll be right back. back once again for the last time this week it's Shatterbox video game radio so I think uh, with our one segment left there's a few news bits that we can get to um, just E3 is right around the corner yeah, does that sound enough, good to you? enough deep talk for this show yeah we, we can't do too much in one episode and we'll have nothing left for next week so um, it's funny you and I have very very uh, overlapping things to detail this week but i've been the one who's very excited about mario kart 8 uh comes out tomorrow at least for us you probably listen to this after the point that mario karts come out but um i am excited about this game especially because it comes with another free game even though it's not as good um wait but- it comes with another free game yeah, like if you if you get the game and then you go you know how nintendo does this like rewards program thing or yeah. you go on their website and tell them that you bought it. Yeah, if you buy so, like 14 games, you'll get like um, a sticker or something. Like a hat. It's actually way cooler than that. They have a pretty good rewards program. But um, with with Mario Kart 8, if you go on there and register it on Nintendo.com by like the end of July, I think. Um, it might be the end of June, but I think you have through through July. Then you get to just pick one game out of at least in America, out of like five different games, like Pikmin 3, which is awesome. Uh, and they're all downloadable, right? They're not going to send you a disc. But uh, like Wii U Party, which is supposed to be some crap party collection, um, 
the the Zelda game, uh, Wind Waker, uh, and Pikmin three, and New Super Mario Brothers U, and there well, might... well that one right there is a pretty big one. Yeah, there's it's just like I already have it, and I already have Pikmin three, which would be the best yes, one. You do. I think there's one other game anyway, but I think there's five. But that's awesome, right? So they're giving away a game when you get this game, and at least one of the games is really cool, uh, if not two or three. I mean, if you've never played Wind Waker then and you're a Zelda fan, cool. Um, but I have the GameCube version. I don't feel the need to get another one. Um, but the game, the game itself, Mario Kart 8, going to be awesome. But then there was this weird piece of news that kind of came out of left field. But And honestly, it's... It's in line with some of the stuff Nintendo's been saying lately about how they want to expand how they partner with other companies and stuff. Has it? They want to expand into the luxury car segment? Right. So that's the weird part. It doesn't quite fit in this game. But uh, as as you implied, they are, they're partnering with Mercedes and some new Mercedes. I don't – you probably know the model of car. No, no this is really important because – Mercedes has a lot of different cars. Yeah, this is some SUV, right? And it's the GLA. They have this huge alphabet soup of model lines that um, is is only approaching to be rivaled by BMW's morass of confusion. But needless to say, you can't you can hardly tell how good or how expensive one of their cars is just by looking at it, unless you already know that's. Anyway, I don't want to turn this into a car show, but the GLA is actually one of their – it's going to be like their bottom end, quote-unquote, crossover car. So it's going to be one of their cheaper Mercedes-Benzes. So it's not like – it's going to be prob- It's going to be under – they haven't announced the MSRP for it, but it's going to be like a slot under another one that MSRPs for around 37 k Wow. So it's actually, uh, you know, they're not like, it's not that weird, but it is still pretty weird. What's weird is Mario Kart 8 has no real cars in it, or no Mario Kart game has ever had real cars in it. It's just had these carts, or I guess now maybe motorcycles or something. Um, But now they're putting in a real car. Now they're putting in a Nazi sled. Yeah, there's, yeah, that's another way to put it. Um, So it doesn't quite fit. The brand, but they did talk about recently, like in in one of their Nintendo, you know, video things a few months ago, that they're working on or they're they're interested in expanding how they do partnerships and things, and because uh, everyone was at the time the speculation was, you know, uh, that Nintendo might try to sell their characters to other companies, right, or allow their games to be built for other systems like you know the Xbox or PlayStation or whatever. Um, and they said, no, that's not our plan, but we are going to do other things. And I'm, I suspect this is a perfect example of that, of bringing in partners to do other stuff with their games. And in this particular case, I think it hurts it. I think it hurts the brand. I don't think that putting in Mercedes or any real car is the right choice. Well, which brand is it hurting, first of all? Mario, Mario Kart. Is it hurting Mercedes? Uh, I mean, maybe, but I think most people who care about Mercedes don't even know about Mario Kart, so it probably has little effect there. You, you get the feeling like Mercedes is going for the younger slash gamer crowd. Which... Well, the thing is, I mean, we, we all know that the gamer demographic has shifted as we've aged, right? It's gone up. So now there's plenty of people who play Mario Kart who are old enough to be getting a Mercedes. I um, guess so. But I mean, I I agree with you. There's probably not a whole lot of crossover, but just the news itself making the rounds is good press for them. So whatever. I mean, put themselves in the game. I'm sure they feel good about it. It's just free press. But with Mario Kart, it just doesn't seem to fit. And so I thought that was really strange. It's Um, quite weird. Yeah. In another little bit of news relating to the Wii U, at least, not Mario Kart, uh, did you see that they're releasing an adapter so you can use GameCube controllers on it? I sure did. Yeah, I guess it, it's specifically for Super Smash Brothers, but I mean, con- they could conceivably allow the controllers to work on some other game. I, I'm sure it would only be Nintendo brand games, but it wouldn't be a bad idea to make it work with Mario Kart as well, so that I don't have to buy a bunch of extra controllers that aren't just Wii remotes. 
I wonder if this means they're going to start reproducing GameCube controllers now. You know, I hadn't thought of that. Because um, they're not making them, are they? They're not, they're not. You can't just go out and get a GameCube cube controller. Well, I mean, not unless you're getting some old stock yeah. from somewhere. But the thing is, a lot of Smash Brothers players, and they do, I mean, they're serious about accommodating Smash Brothers fans. Yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, on the Wii for Super Smash Brothers Melee, I think that was the Wii version, um, you could use GameCube controllers on it, but you couldn't really use GameCube controllers for any Wii game. Um, it was basically just Smash Brothers, and maybe they expanded it to some other games late, late in the console cycle, but for the most part, GameCube controllers were restricted to GameCube games running in the Wii. But then for Smash Brothers, they allowed it to work. They somehow found a way. At least, I'm, I'm pretty sure they did. Um, and that's because people really liked using that controller. So, I mean, it's great that they were accommodating the fans, but uh, this is a pretty pretty big leap, like an entire piece of hardware just to let them to use the controllers. But I don't know why they would release... Uh, new GameCube controllers because you could still you could just get the Wii U Pro controller which is you know dual stick and has buttons or whatever so it's it would be just as good would um, it though yeah it's just that we already have GameCube controllers it seems kind of unprecedented for I mean not that there's anything wrong with it it's just this is the first time I've heard of it that I can remember that they're releasing an official adapter to adapt to something that is not sold new in stores anymore yeah, that is that is really weird, um, and I. It also gives gives people the chance to make some computer drivers for it too, so that we can use GameCube controllers on you know emulators and whatever. You know what? Maybe they're like you know, hey, Mad Cats, go crazy! Here's a new boutique market for you. Yeah, it, is Mad Cats building it, or did I, you just, I just make made that, up? that up? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Because right, so, I, I love the company name Mad Cats. You know, when I think about quality. Well, I don't want to say that necessarily. When I think about controllers, yeah, Mad Cats really makes me think about peripherals. They've done a good job with their joysticks, but they're not horrible. But the joke that I uh, made a horrendously feeble attempt to make was the, the tremendous detachment from the company name to the kind of products they sell. Yeah, I'm with you. I understand. I mean, I mean, you'd think that they'd be selling, you know, like uh, like rabies viruses for cats. <laughs> All right. So the last bit of news we have, you you know what it is? Harmonics. Yeah. Yes, and I am so gleeful because I get to say I told you so, and it was only it was only a couple episodes ago that I told you so. And so first off. There, a lot of changes are happening in Harmonix right now. Not not just this one thing, but like the CEO is changing to be like CCO. Someone else is going to be it's CEO. So, it's so weird. They're laying off a bunch of people. Ne- never. It's only the video game industry where one of the most successful companies of all time that has um, just huge pockets will just you know do a layoff. I mean, it's only quote only thirty seven people, but. But they haven't done much lately. Well, so maybe they've just been waiting for the inevitable layoffs and keeping these people employed for an extra year or two. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm not privy to any of that. But, you know, I'm under the distinct impression that that company had amassed a whole lot of cash. Yeah. That's hard to well, get for a rid while, of. at least. But I don't know. Maybe they spent it like Michael Jackson. So what do I know? Well, they had a lot of staff. All right. So, so tell me I told you so. Yeah, so you know that uh, sh- shoot shooter. I don't like calling it a shooter because it's ambiguous. That first-person shooter that they were making called Chroma, the one that was integrated with Beats and stuff, and uh, how they were saying they were testing it, and I was explaining on a previous show not too long ago how it's never going to work because you're just trying put together two very incompatible things and, and I'm not going to go into detail again because I did the previous time well apparently somebody got a hold of an email that was sent out to their testers and I'm just going to read you directly what they said they said based on the terrific feedback and I love the word terrific because it's like terrifying but nobody ever like, thinks of it as that based on the ter- I, 
Yeah, I didn't think that word seemed to fit very well, but go ahead. <laughs> Based on the terrific feedback we got from all of you in the community, as well as our own analysis, we have concluded that Chroma will need some substantial retooling to be the game we want it to be, and to continue on to uh, soften that already softened edge on the statement. They said, we remain passionately committed to the high-level vision. I like, noticed they're saying high-level. And we think there are some very successful mechanics and systems in the existing build, and the team has already started prototyping new directions for the game based on those successful mechanics. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So basically, yeah, for now, as as we understood it to be, they're shelving it because it just didn't work. So I told you so. Yeah, and I was really excited about this, too. About the game, not not the shelving of the game. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, I still want to see what they end up doing with it. But I do expect, based on that message, for it to completely change. I'd be really completely curious change. whether I'm going to finally eat my shoes or not. Yeah, well, when, it'll be at least a couple of years, I'm sure. Yeah, when we find out in a couple of years what happens. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hey, um, this is the end of another another show, another episode. So don't forget, we got a Facebook page slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Email us, post on there. Let us know what you want to talk about or if you have any questions for us. And uh, until next time. Good night, guys and girls. been listening to chatterbox video game radio tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming and remember all your base are belong to us